Oh, man. Is that good or what? Come on, moms. Y'all got super powers. I know many a times I've tried to do something and my mom's superpowers got me. She still calls me uh, till this day. I'm a grown man, got kids of my own, and, and through FaceTime, she gives me the glare. And I mean, you know, it still works, don't it? <laughs> all right. Well, I just want to say uh, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. And there's so many ways, man, that moms are, are at work, honestly. Um, and it's not just a moms which have biological children. It's moms that uh, work at schools and they take in our babies for hours on end and love on our children. It's, it's aunts. It's uh, man, friends uh, which, which love and, and serve together in community. And so uh, you, you may not have biological children, but we recognize that you have that motherly heart. And we just want to say happy uh, Mother's Day uh, to you. Can we give the moms a hand, please? Awesome. Hey, we've been in this uh, series entitled, Who is Jesus? Jesus on his own terms. Uh, explaining who he is. Hopefully you've been enjoying it. I have loved diving into this uh, conversation uh, with you. This week, uh, we are talking about this statement that Jesus makes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We're in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. Uh, Would you stand for the reading of God's word together? We're gonna, I'm gonna read the scripture out loud, and then if you're new to our community, uh, we're gonna. After I get down to reading the word, I'm just gonna say this is the word of the Lord. You're gonna respond back by saying thanks be to God, as we uh, join in and allowing scripture uh, to transform our hearts and our minds. And then we're gonna pray, and then you can be seated. John chapter 14 verses one through six. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. You might know the translation which says, has many mansions. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place Where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this moment uh, that we have. I pray, Lord, uh, even as we celebrate mothers, Um, that you would speak to us this morning. I humbly come, Lord Jesus, as your servant. uh, Speak through me. Use me in this moment, Father God, to be just a heralder of what you want to say to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Now God's people said, you may be seated. When I was in first grade, um, I got the opportunity uh, to go to SeaWorld. I lived in Florida. 
Now, before you guys send me emails, right, this was before, like, that, that movie came out, right, about Shamu, like, you know, hey, <laughs> this, <laughs> I was in first grade, you know, don't judge me. Um, and so I uh, got the opportunity to go to SeaWorld. I, I, was, I was really excited. And I, I wasn't excited about seeing Shamu, right? I already saw Free Willy, right? So, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't really care about that. Like, I was excited uh, to go because at SeaWorld, there was uh, this amazing, like, obstacle course, right? I think they called it something like uh, tree land or treehouse land or whatever, and uh, I, I was excited. It had all these, like, obstacle courses. It had these rope ladders that you could go up to, and then once you climb up the rope ladder, you, you got into this, like, play place, you know? Like, and it was massive. It's not like the, the McDonald's ones where it's like literally just one tube, then you go down a slide, right? Like this was, this was huge. And, and so like I, I was excited and me and my friends, uh, when we got to SeaWorld, we, we, we did all the stuff that the teachers wanted us to do, but then it was free time and then we beelined it over to like Tree Island. And so I, I got up in those tubes and man, uh, we were playing around, but, but after a while, we were like, it's time to get out of here. Only problem was we did not know how to get out. And so we are like crawling around in this tube, right? Trying to figure out the way, like how do we, how do we get out here? And then like, you know, we're just arguing with each other. And I'm like, hey, it's this way. My friends are like, no, it's that way. And we're just arguing. I'm just like, forget this. And they're like, forget you, you know what I mean? And then we just part ways. And so now I'm, I'm walking around. I don't know where I'm at. Remember, I'm in first grade, just in case your minds are like, Elijah's a grown man in this tube, right, trying to figure his way out. Like, I'm in first grade, and I just like, I remember just crying. Like, I just stopped, and I'm just like crying in my heart, in my mind. I'm just like, man, I just want to get home. Like, I was done. I was done with SeaWorld. I was done with Shamu. I'm done with everything. Like, I just want to get home. And, and as I'm crawling, every time I hit a corner, like I'm thinking like maybe, just maybe, like this is the exit home. This is the exit home. If you remember in those tubes back in the day, right, like you could stand up and you could look. There was like a clear spot after, right, and, and you could look around and you could see, right, like where you were going. Only problem was every time I got to one of those markers, I just got farther and farther away from where I was trying to go. Like, I was confused. Along in this tunnel, as I'm working through this, I find another kid, and we're just kind of, we have this moment where we're looking at each other. We're like, uh, are we going to die here? You know what I'm saying? And so he's just, he comes over to me, and he's like, hey, like, do, do you want to uh, try to find the way together? And I'm like, yes. Right? And we finally get out. Like, I'm pretty sure I was stuck in there for something like 30 to 45 minutes. I get back, and wouldn't you know it, all of my friends, which I was in the tube with, are just playing around. My teacher beelines to me and starts scolding me. Where have you been, Elijah? Like, it's time for us to go. We've been waiting for you. I asked your friends, and they said they didn't know where you were at. I was like, these backstabbing you, you want to know something? I, I didn't care that she was yelling at me, honestly, in that moment. I didn't care that I was about to get a pink slip set home. Come on. If you know, you know, right? All I was thinking about was like, I just can't wait to get home. 
I, I, was, I was tired. I was exhausted. I just, I just couldn't wait to get home. I, I think there's, there's, there's a part of us that longs for that, don't we? There's a part of us that longs and yearns for, for a place that is home, a place where we can find rest and relaxation, a place where there's safety, right? It's, it's a place that connotes like this feeling of just like, I can relax. This is, this is my area. I know every nook and cranny of my, my space. There is that, and there's something in us in this world that knows, that knows that this place is not ultimately home, is, don't we? Like there's, there's a brokenness in this world. Every time we turn on the news, every time we go outside, we hear that this person has been hurt, this person has been killed, this person is in pain. Like, like one more story, one more broken heart, and there's something in us, in our guts that tells us that, that there is a home where these things will no longer take place. And we long for that. We cry out for that. We hope for that because there is something about home, isn't there? Like so much so that we, if I say a phrase, you're going to know it right off the top of your head, right? Home is where? Home is where the heart is. There's something about this idea of home that, that brings like this eternal rest. I know at least to my my soul. As we jump into the text today, Jesus is having a conversation with these men, these disciples, that there is a way that leads us home in chapter 14. But for us to understand uh, what's happening in chapter 14, just like last week, we have to go back a chapter and we have to now rework the picture because there's a lot more that's at play here. Because in the beginning, uh, when we get to chapter 14, the disciples are confused because, hey, listen to this. They thought Jesus was, was home. For, for these disciples that had grown up in this time period where they were under Roman oppression, for these disciples that, that were promised a Messiah, they were promised this idea of what home would ultimately look like. We, we talked about this in our sermon about Jesus saying that he is the resurrection and the life, that there is a day that is coming that will bring about the shalom, the, the peace of all things. Where there will be no more tears, there'll be no more crying, there'll be no more pain. They thought they had it in their hands. I mean, just, just a couple of weeks ago, or, or about uh, earlier in the week, I'm sorry, they, they come into Jerusalem and, 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 and there's people waving palm branches as Jesus is on his donkey with his disciples walking through and people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want you to, to put yourself in the first century and, and I want you to see what's happening here. This is a, a picture of Caesar's processional after he comes back from, from war, right? They would line the streets and they would hail Caesar, right? The son of God. Like these words would have been communicated about Caesar. And so if you're Jewish in this context, living under the, the oppression of Rome, you're seeing this. You're like, yes, it's the day, we will finally get to go back home. Rome will be toppled over. There's something beautiful that's happening here. But all of a sudden, when we get to chapter 13, 
when these guys are just eating and rejoicing, yeah, it's about to happen. Did you see that? Did you see that? Like, like Jesus is greater than Caesar. Like he's doing these miracles. Like he's doing all these things. Did you see that? And all of a sudden, Jesus does something really peculiar as they're eating. He, he takes his clothes off. He wraps it around himself, and he starts to wash their feet. Now, if we're not careful readers of the scripture, we will quickly blow by that. Because it, it's, it's, it's significant. But you have to understand in the first century that that was not an insignificant move. Remember that the, the ancient world, the, the Roman world was stratified by class, right? So you had all these classes, right? Caesar was, was said to be the son of God, and then you had royals, then you had uh, uh, publicans, which are basically politicians, and you kept on going, and at the lowest rung were slaves. Now, now, when we start talking about slaves, slaves had also a rung of who was in the pecking order, and at the lowest rung was the slave which washed people's feet. And here, Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. Like, like I want you to think about that, right? This is not the, the, the duty of a king. This is a duty of the lowest servant. Jesus washes the disciples' feet here. If, if that's not disorienting enough, if that's not crazy enough, then he starts talking about, hey, I'm about to die. Somebody is going to betray me. What? What, oh, Jesus, what are you talking about? Somebody's going to betray me. That doesn't even make sense. Right? Like, everybody here is loyal. Did you just see what's happening? Like, what is going to happen? All of a sudden, uh, a disciple runs out the room. And then Peter, yeah, Peter, you know, that guy who's strong, like, Jesus, uh, you, you are the son of God. Upon this rock, Peter, I'll build my church. Peter's like, Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'll die before you do. Jesus said, before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. Can you imagine the turmoil that's happening? Because here in Jesus, somehow we found peace. We found home, the promise of the way home. So by the time we get to chapter 14, they're, they're just trying to figure out what is happening here. What is going on here, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And I think as he's saying them to the disciples, we can project that here and now in this future right here present that he's saying to us, let not your heart be troubled. In a world where chaos reigns where there is no peace, where, where we might be celebrating Mother's Day, but you might be sitting here with the weight and pain that your mother, your own mother, may not be feeling well. That, that she might have some type of uh, a disease or, or something that, that threatens to take her out of your life. That Jesus says these weighty words, let not your heart be troubled. Maybe you're a mother in this place and you have a child that you love, that you long for, but they're wayward and they've run off. And you find yourself praying, pleading with the God of the universe to bring them back. 
Jesus says in this moment, let not your heart be troubled. But how can we not let our heart be troubled? Jesus, you're the one who says you give us peace. We've seen it in you, and now you're telling us you're leaving. How do I, how do I operate under that way? Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me, in my Father's house as many rooms, if there were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take that to you uh, to be with me that you also may be where I am. Okay, Jesus, like I, I hear you, I see those words, but how do I now function in that place? See, as we continue diving through the scripture, it is important for us when we read scripture to read slowly. Because it, we may read that passage and we're like, that's sweet. And we put those, uh, that, that little phrase on our, our, our magnets on our fridge, but we won't fully understand what that's talking about. But if you're in the first century... What you would know, what John's readers of the Gospel of John would have, would have picked up really quickly, that there is a marriage language that is happening right here in the text. That there is, there is marriage language that's happening here in the text. And so, so, so this is what's happening. There is this symbolism that, that Jesus is saying, okay, let not your heart be troubled. And let me tell you why, right? Because I am going, and I know that might be troubling for you because you're living in this world that seems broken, that feels painful, but let me give you a clear picture of that. In the Jewish marriage system, there are three distinct, part, distinct parts of the ancient Jewish wedding, right? It's three Jewish words. I am not even going to try and pretend like I can pronounce them. So <laughs> somebody said, ah, uh, y'all really wanted to see me fail. Okay. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to translate them in English, so in, in, in Western culture, we, we kind of have, hey, you go to uh, someone's in-laws, you ask for permission, you have the engagement, and you have the wedding, right? That's it's pretty straightforward line. In the Jewish context, it's, it, there's a little bit more heft to do to there, right? From, from this mutual commitment to, to one another, right? After this bartering of like, how can we, how can I pay for uh, my, my wife here? And you come together and you commit to one another in this deep, deep way. And then there is this engagement aspect of it. And then ultimately when the groom comes. So, so this is what it, uh, it looked like. The groom would give uh, the bride money or, or valuable objects such as a ring or a cup of wine uh, was customarily shared to seal the covenant vows. In this public ceremony under the hopa, the, the couple entered into this betrothal period, which typically lasted about a year. Although they were considered married, they did not live together or have any type of sexual relationship. Right? They were, they were far away from each other. And so the, the husband was, was committed to the wife. The wife was committed to the husband. But it was the husband's job just to take a whole year, sometimes a little bit longer, to prepare the house to get the 
finances in order, right, in order to come back and uh, serve the wife so that she would have something that, that was worthy of her. So uh, here was the only thing. The husband could work as long as he wanted to. He could not say, okay, I have enough. Now I can go back to my, and get my wife. Uh, the father would tell the husband, okay, now you're ready. So he didn't know when he could come back and go get his, his bride. Like he had to keep on working. And when his father told him, now you are ready, that's when he was commissioned to go back. I bet you're probably seeing some, some things that should be popping up in your head here. Now, now, the bride, right, who's waiting sometimes a year or so, right, for the husband to, to come and, and, and to, to uh, come and get her, what she would do is that she would just be ready. She didn't know when the husband was coming. There was no note that was told to her. She would just wait and be ready. She would have oil in a lamp. And her bridesmaids would be on the ready just in case that was the day and time that the husband was going to come, right? She was ready for this wedding processional. And when the father finally told the groom, okay, it's time now. Go and get your bride. What he would do, he would get all of his groomsmen's, groomsmen and his wedding party, and they would come, and it didn't matter if it was in the middle of the night. They would blow the chauffeur, and people would be yelling and screaming as they came to get the bride. There is this picture that Jesus gives here that John is communicating. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. Here, here's what he's saying. I am committed to you. I am committed to, to getting it ready. You don't have to worry. Like the, the covenant is about to happen. I am about to show you how much I love you in a second. That goes beyond the ring, that goes beyond treasures, that goes beyond money. Like, I am showing you, and I need you to trust me, so do not be troubled because I go to prepare a place for, for you. But here's the question. Do you know the way? Do you know the way? I love Thomas here in this passage of Scripture. Thomas, Thomas is, is like me right? He, he asks questions. You just can't tell me anything, right? I, I, like my, my wife has students that she, she, she complains about sometimes and she also loves because they're always asking why. Oh, why this? Why that? But, but uh, she loves them because that means there's something in them that wants to learn more. They're her best learners. Thomas was that kind of guy. I think sometimes Thomas gets a bad rap, honestly, just to be honest with you, because uh, Thomas is remembered by that moment of doubting. In fact, we, we have dubbed him doubting. How would you like to be remembered for all of Christian history for one insignificant moment where you might have dropped the bag a little bit? Huh? How would, you, how would you like that? Like, Thomas is the same guy. Like, Thomas was, was a guy which loved Jesus deeply, right? Before they went back to Jerusalem, the disciples, all the other disciples were afraid. They said, Jesus, if we go to Jerusalem, you've stirred up the hornet's nest. They are going to kill you. Guess what Thomas says? Let us, he says, Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem. Thomas says, well, I will go with Jesus and let us go and we will die. Like, that's Thomas, but for whatever reason, we're like, oh, no, it's doubting Thomas. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Thomas, in this moment, 
the question asker says, but Jesus, we do not know the way. How, how do we actually say it? This is what Jesus says to them. Jesus declares in their wondering, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Scholars say in this statement is the culmination of John's uh, theology. Jesus declares once and for, for all that he is God moved into the neighborhood. That he is the one that has come to sort things out. And if you would see him, then you would finally understand the way to him. Because here it is, right? Sin, let's go back to Genesis, had, had created this huge chasm. So we were no longer allowed to be in the presence of God. I go back just to this idea of like, man, if we just take a, a slow reading of Scripture, we'll actually see God's heart. So often I hear this, this, this idea, especially being a pastor, where people say, well, the God of the Old Testament seems different than the God of the New Testament. But, but man, the God of the Old Testament is exactly the same. His, his character doesn't change, but you just have to read it slowly. You, you see, in the Old Testament, like God, God is not pushing people away from his presence because he doesn't want to be there. Their sin would not allow them to be in God's presence. In fact, so much so that if they even stood in God's presence, they would literally die. So, so, so God in the Old Testament says, okay, I desperately love you so much. This is what I want you to do, right? I'm going to create a pathway that, that all you have to do is just uh, purify. There was this water purification rituals that they would do, and they would bathe themselves, and then they would commit sacrifice, and then they could come back into God's presence. Like over and over again, you have this God who's so desperately in love with his children. That he says, it doesn't even matter how many times you say, like, I'm going to run after you. I'm going to come after your heart because I love you dearly. Now, over and over again, the children of Israel sinned, and over and over again, God pursued them with love and patience and kindness. And sometimes, because we read the scriptures quickly, we're like, oh, now they're in exile. God is mad. God is mad. No, God is desperately wanting to have them in his presence. So much so, Jesus comes on the scene. No, who is Jesus? Jesus is the ultimate reflection of God's heart made in display by flesh. And what does he do? We're back in chapter 13. He takes his clothes off. And he wraps it around himself. And he takes on the posture of a servant. The, the posture of a servant. R remember, we, we, already, we already talked through this. What does a servant do? The lowest servant at that is he washes feet. And Jesus here, right, showing the display of the Father's heart, washes the disciples' feet. The God of the universe, 
The God who spoke everything into existence gets down on his knees to the point where the disciples feel uncomfortable. Like, Jesus, what are you doing? You shouldn't be doing that. You were just coming in. We were just saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus takes on the posture of the servant willingly, and he washes the disciples' feet. He says, I, I, I want to be with you. I want to be present with you. I am the way back home. I am that way back home. I have come to close the the chasm where, where sin had brought between you and the Father. And here I am in the muck. I am the way back home. Jesus is the way back home. See, again, if we are not putting these passages well together, that we will not understand what Jesus is truly saying. Remember, he is saying that I am now going to go and create this covenant, right? I am going to prepare a place for you. What, is, what am I going to do? I am going to, 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 to do the ultimate sacrifice, that, that wedding ritual, and I am going to die on a cross. This is my gift to you. This is my wedding present to you. I am the way back home. So when Thomas is saying this, they don't understand, but but that's why Jesus says this really peculiar thing. Don't you know the way back home? Have you not been with me long enough? There's a reason why Jesus' I am the way, the truth, and the life is situated right after him washing the feet of the disciples. It's because Jesus is trying to tell them that my way is different. It is not coercion. It is not manipulation. It's not power. It's not political. It's it's different. It is a posture of humility. Like, look at what Jesus said. Do you not know the way? What is he doing? He just washed his feet. I am the way. Watch how I do it. Right? Right? This is why these sermons sometimes that come for people which want to bash people over the top of the head with a Bible and say, hey, you know what? Turn or burn. You are a sinner. How does Jesus do it? He does it with humility and love. He finds himself at the feet, right? At the feet of his disciples, And he says, no, you no longer have to wash yourself so that you can be clean. I will wash you. I am the way back home. It's the type of love that that goes through all boundaries, that searches, that finds you where you are at. I am the way back home. Look at my posture. Look at the way I've done things. Yeah, I'm I'm the kind of person that, that, that was called a friend of sinners. I wasn't found with the religious elites, but I was found with people which were broken and in pain and that were hurting. I am the way back home. I, I'm, I'm the kind of uh, person that, that, that reached out to the woman with the issue of blood, which could not even find herself in the temple because she was considered unclean. God breaks down that barrier and says, yes, you can come to me. Yes, I am the way back home. I'm the one that goes to the, to the blind man who was this way from birth. 
I am the way back home. When, when children wanted to come to Jesus and they wanted to stop uh, Jesus from interacting because this is adult moment, right? He says, let the children come to me for such is the kingdom of God. Again, if we don't even understand that context, there's so much more that's happening there. In ancient times, children were considered no better than livestock. Yet, what does Jesus do? He changes the paradigm and he invites these children and says, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. He is reorienting and rechanging the way that we ever think about it because there is a deep sacrificial love that Jesus displays. It is a servant's heart. So when we say, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Where is that place, Jesus? It looks like me. It is me. It is my reflection. It is my window. All you have to do is follow me. All you have to do is follow me. I love this idea because maybe you're in this place just like first grade me. That's just sad in that play place, and you're just feeling like, I just want to turn the corner, and I just want to get home. Jesus says, you know the way. You, you know the way. Follow me. I am the way. Philip Graham Riken writes, there is a deep longing in every human heart to return to our ancestral home. Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young shout out in their song, Woodstock, we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. This is part of God's purpose for his people. A return to a place where we began. It is a place of relationship between man and woman and fellowship with God. A place of light and life, of trees and water. It is this call back to a place that is beautiful where there's no more tears. There is no more pain. That is home. That is what we long for. C.S. Lewis writes these words, I believe man once lived in utopia, but does no longer, that he is always trying to return. The name of this first utopia was Eden. It, was, it is a part of our heritage. We want to go back. We are haunted by memories of the original garden. We are displaced persons, but our old homeland burns and glows in our hearts. I just want to make it home. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Follow me. Follow my example. Be with me. I'm going to ask in this moment, as we are celebrating as we're celebrating moms whose hearts delight when their children come home. I love what you said, Dan. It reflects the Father's heart. It reflects God's heart. You may be feeling displaced in this moment. You may be feeling the weight and the hurt 
of living in this place of in-between where there's brokenness, where there's pain. You may be feeling the weight of family members that are struggling. You may be feeling your own weight and the turmoil in your heart and you're sitting here and you just made it by, by, the, by just the bare energy that is in your body and you're just like, God, I am desperate for you. I need you in this moment. Life is hard. This world is hard. I just want to be home. Hear my words. He's preparing a place for you. He is preparing a place for you. And here's the good news. You know the way. The way is Jesus. The, the way is Jesus. And so here's where I, I want to challenge us. If that's you in this moment, if you just came because mom invited you, said, let's go to church. Let's go to church. And, and, and maybe you're in your heart, you're like, yeah. I feel like God's talking to me. I want you to make a decision. Are, are you going to follow the way? Or are you going to continue to be lost in the maze? Are you, are you gonna are you gonna pull after the one that, that that says I am the way I have laid it all down for you, or are we gonna continue just going in circles with every head bowed and every eye closed? This is my petition to you. There is no secret incantation. There's no magic words. You just have to decide in your heart that I'm in. I want to follow the way. I want to follow the truth. I want to follow the one that will give me life. That will give me life. If that is you in this room, and you say, hey, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back on the count of three. I want you to raise your hand and just keep it there for a second so we can see you and then put it quickly down. One, Jesus loves you. Two, you'll never be the same. Three, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you so much. I see those hands. I see those hands. Come on. Yes, that is awesome. You can put your hands down. Thank you. I see those hands. Just, just your simple act of you saying in this moment, yes, I will follow you begins that road home. Begins that road home. Let me pray with you. And in a second, you're just going to have brothers and sisters which are going to stand up and we're just going to celebrate what God has done in this moment. Because you might have been lost, but now you've been found. And now we get to celebrate your way back home. Father, I thank you. I thank you for each and every person that stepped out in faith, that raised their hand, that said, God, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I, I no longer want to be lost. I, I no longer want to walk this world in this broken world and feeling the weight of pain. I want to be connected to you. You know the way, Jesus. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters who have made that decision, that have stood firm in the ground and say, God, 
I have decided to follow you. No turning back, no turning back. That this journey would be the beginning of some fullness in their heart. That yes, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, but what they would know is that you are theirs. And in your mansion and in your house, there are many rooms. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on. I want us to stand up and celebrate what God is doing today. Here it is. We're going to sing this song, and we're going to sing with all our hearts and all our minds because God has just done something awesome, Overflow. We have family that has come back home. Amen? So here it is. Here it is. During this time, if you raise your hand, we were, had actually people lined up to be baptized this week. We even filled the water in the baptismal pool. But uh, through some turn of events, they had to, they couldn't make it this week. But maybe you're sitting here, you're like, hey, listen, I've jumped in. I've decided to be all in. I, I want to get in there with Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. There's, there's no pressure, no pressure at all. But if you're saying, hey, like, I, I want to jump in, man, I'm in. We want to celebrate that. We actually have clothes ready in the back. We got towels, and we'd love to celebrate with you, right? Uh, right here, Pastor Dan, would you raise your hand? He's going, to make, he's going to start walking to the back right there. If you want, you can go and meet Pastor Dan at the back, and he would love to have a conversation with you. And maybe during this time as the worship is going, maybe something's stirring, we would love to celebrate that you are home. Let's sing together.